Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. I wasn't planning on crying until later, and, uh, and she just messed with that. Um, can you guys give it up for our incredible worship crew leading us in? Wow, wow. Um, man, oh, and there's just, Kayla's just got this anointing on the keys right now that I swear healing just rolls in the room the second she hits any note. It's just like, let's go. Come on, Jesus. Oh, are you happy you're in church this morning? <laughs> I'm happy I'm in church this morning. Goodness. Uh, and I'm happy that you're in church this morning. Yes, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'm uh, Pastor Matt, my beautiful wife, Adrienne and I, who is significantly taller than me, as you see. Uh, we are the lead pastors here at Takeover Church, and it's good to have you here. Um, but this morning, man, I just want to get right to the skinny. Do you mind if we just cut through the BS and get to the good stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. What's BS stand for, Pastor Matt? Bull spit. Get your head out of the gutter. What are you talking about? Gosh. Anyways, Bible study. I like that one way better. Oh, but man, this morning... This morning we are in a series, we're starting a brand new season in church, we're not even going to call it a series, we're just going to call it a season. Um, we, we went through 12 weeks all summer long with something we, we, we felt was our cry in the earth in this hour and it was called the Jesus people that right now our nation specifically is in crisis, the West specifically is in crisis and right now if you take a look around you would see that just the total depravity of man outside of Jesus in desperate need of Jesus is on full blown display, wouldn't you agree? It is crazy hours outside and what our earth is in desperate need of, what the people still furthest from God are in desperate need of aren't just some Christians who clock in on Sundays, but are the living, breathing embodiment of Jesus Christ himself, the Jesus people. Amen? We, we are still God's plan A. We are his Christ delivery device. Amen? We bring him wherever we go. We're called to be the Jesus people. And then we took the next eight weeks after that to mature ourselves in the Lord. And, and really, we just took it to the next level, I hope. And we were in a series in a season called the Citizens of Heaven because it dawned on me partway through the Jesus people that we are we are ambassadors in a foreign land. We are representatives of a kingdom that is not of this world. And yet many of us would call ourselves Christians but have no idea about the customs and the beliefs and the ways of living and believing that came along with being from a kingdom not of this world. And because we didn't know the customs and beliefs of where we come from, it's easy to sway into West Michigan, sway into America, sway into Western and realize that we are firmly planted in the kingdom of God, amen? We are in Michigan for Michigan. We are not in Michigan and of Michigan, amen? We are not. I love the United States of America, come on. I love that we're blessed to live in this amazing country, come on. And I love that God chose you and me for this hour to do kingdom work in this nation, amen? amen. And so right now, Right now, we are entering a series and a season that we're just going to set apart, and Charlie kind of referenced it, but it's called Piercing the Veil. Pierce the Veil. This is what we want to finish out 2022 so strong. And you might ask yourself, Matt, what does Pierce the Veil mean? Pierce the Veil is that moment for me where it's a, it's a word that the Lord gave me. I was at this uh, senior pastor's prayer advance earlier this month, and as many of you have noted, I came back different and somebody asked me, Matt, what happened? And I said, I still don't have the words to articulate. What I do know is about 35 to 40 lead pastors of a church, we gathered in a room and there was a keyboard, there was a single guitar, and there were two singers and we were just at this campground. And I don't know exactly how to articulate what took place other than that thin place where heaven and earth, the veil between us, it wore thin. And the only thing that I can begin to even configure in my brain to go, why was this even possible was because there was 35 to 40 senior pastors who just gathered with one mission and one mission alone. That was to meet with Lord Jesus. You see, we weren't there to network. We weren't there to you convinced each other to come and preach for one another for cheap. We weren't there to, for any other, anything. We weren't, it wasn't about attendance. It wasn't how's, how you're doing after COVID. It had nothing to do, had nothing to do 
with what we had going on in our own camps that had everything to do with getting together under one roof and piercing the veil, going deep into the presence of God. And I've been, I have, <laughs> I have been ruined for any other lover. I've been ruined. I've been ruined. I can't go back to how church was. I can't go back to how things used to be. I can't go back and I cannot suffer programs at the expense of his presence. I just can't do it. And so we're going to go into the season called Pierce the Veil because I want to spend the rest of the year just being those people who are presence given over people. Amen. I want to make a resting place for the Lord in the earth again. I think we can look around our nation right now and there's a lot. There is a lot of churches that are popping up right now and there are places that are popping up and they are saying, no, 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 we, we, we don't want to just grow up into Acts 2 one day. No, we want to start at Acts 2 and fulfill God's dream for his bride. And we are seeing that. We are seeing that in the earth right now. Presence, person of Jesus and his power is coming back to his bride. Do you want to go there with me? Do we want to finish out this year? I know I start saying finish out this year. You're like, Matt, it's October. We don't want it to go too fast. It's not going to go too fast, but it's going to go deep into his presence. I want to get past all the programs. I want to get past the run sheet. The run sheet can burn in the glory of God for all I care. Just give me Jesus, please. Amen. This is why we exist to see Jesus take over our lives to see Jesus take over our region you see and we're going to get to scripture and we're going to get into all of it this morning but just bear with me for a minute I need to tell you my heart I need to tell you what I burn for I need to tell you what this house is all about I need to tell you what we are entering into because we are giving ourselves over to none other than Lord Jesus None other than Lord Jesus. Friends, I gotta be honest. I'm, I've got a lot of great ideas. I got a lot of cool trendy things that we could post on Instagram. We've got cool branding and all that rubbish, but that's exactly all that that is outside of Lord Jesus. Our best efforts, my best ideas, the coolest things I can think of. If Jesus' anointing isn't on, it's rubbish. And I don't, I don't want anything but him. I don't want anything but it. I want, to, I want to spend the rest of this year just living and learning how to occupy that thin space. Because I believe as Christians, we are called to the most inner intimacy places with Lord Jesus that are possible this side of heaven. But we're not called just to taste and see once. We're not called just to enter in one time. We're not called just to have a moment break out in service and then long for it until heaven. I don't believe he's giving us a four taste to tease us but he's given us a foretaste to lead us further into his presence his glory his majesty where we are marveling i believe there's going to come a time where where we're just going to see bodies healed in service before a word is ever spoken or sang I believe we're going to come into a point where words of prophecy are being given and addictions are breaking off before the first song even happens. I believe we are coming into a place where you're going to look for Pastor Matt because the run sheet says so, but I am dead over there with Jesus on the floor, not caring about what's happening here. Well, Matt, who's going to pastor the church? Thank God, amen, that Jesus is a far better pastor than I am. This is the heart of this season. I am, I, am, I am ruined for any other lover. And I think for far too long, we have sacrificed the presence and person and power of Jesus for our programs. It's gone. It's dead. Bury it. Don't resurrect it. This is a presence people. This is a home for him, and we will exist to see Jesus take over people's lives. Amen. Still with me? You ready for the word of God? You ready to pierce the veil this morning? We already have. Praise God. Praise God. How about, in fact, you just go ahead and give him five seconds of praise right now. Go. One, two, three, four, 
five, six, overachievers, seven, I love it. Oh, well, if you're taking notes for Pierce the Veil week one, it's going to be a little on the nose, if you will, but entering in to the master's joy. Entering in to the master's joy. Entering in to the master's joy. That is the title of my message this morning. We just turn and ask your neighbor, have you entered into the joy of the master? It's a real question. It is a real question. All right. If you've got your Bibles, head over to Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Mm, mm. We're going to get some steak in us this morning. Come on. Who's ready for some meat? Come on. Do I got any mature Christians in the house that are ready to go zero to 100 real quick? Matthew 25, 14 through 30. I'm coming out of the ESV. Um, it's also going to be up on the Sky Bible behind me. Can you guys give it up for Phil and Adrian in the back, holding it down for us, by the way? Whew. Goodness. All right. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Ready? All right. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent, well, he went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Somebody say, bum. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. He who had received the five talents, he came forward and bringing five talents more saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made good and I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, so I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, he came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. He also, who had received the one talent, well, he came forward and he said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed? Question mark. Then you ought to have invested my money with bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was least my own interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has, who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray and ask the Lord to meet us in this place, okay? Let's go. Father God, I thank you so much. I thank you, Father, for you sending Jesus to die in our place, to, to pay a penalty of sin and separation that we never could, to cover that chasm because, Lord, now, not just in heaven, but right now, we get to live, we get to occupy this space of intimacy and awareness with you, God, that is unlike any other being on this planet. We get to enter into this place, this thin space of innocence. We get to pierce the veil and we get to to be so close to you this side of eternity, God, we wouldn't, we wouldn't trade it for anything. And Father, right now, would you just begin to send your Holy Spirit in this room in a more tangible way, even now, God, right now, would you just begin to work on the hearts of men and women, your sons and your daughters, your children, your workers, would you begin to work such a work in us, God, that today we will leave here unrecognizable in the natural, but looking more like Jesus in the supernatural. Today, God, we want to leave with that transcendent glory on us, where we look like we've been with Jesus. 
where we've been in the holies of holies, where we've been to that place, that site, that place of intimacy with you, God, that we can't help but be peeled back and changed and transformed and completely undone by you forevermore. I'm talking that lasting change, not that camp high, not that momentary change, not that moment of, of, of taking on a new identity and then dipping back into our old, but I'm saying really Jesus. We want that glory. We want that oil. We want that anointing. Come, cloak us in dynamis power of God and leave us unraveled and undone And leave us completely unamused by any other lover that would vie for our attention and our time. We love you, King. Have your way in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled church said. Amen. Amen. Entering into the joy of the master. Entering into the joy of the master. Now, as, as I was stirring up, like I said, I was at this pastor's prayer advance. And you see, the pastors, we all came from different faith backgrounds as far as like before we got saved. We all came from different schooling and different uh, degrees and different parts of the earth even. There were some that were from New Zealand. We had a Kiwi or two there. We had some guys from England. We had, we had a bunch of different people. We had a Slavic dude who is in Indiana. I'm like, what is, why are you in Indiana? <laughs> He's like, why are you in Michigan? I was like, glory of the Lord. He's like, glory of the Lord. It's amazing. But we all came in different conditions. You see, we, we, we came and some of us, we were ripped, ready, roaring, and ready to get after the glory. Some of us, we came from church splits and beat downs and COVID situations. And the last two years have been insane. And some people just up and left and bailed on others. And people who were, who were told, we want to be the biggest providers in your church. Well, they split and cut tail because of some cultural stuff going on. And the pastor refusing to bow a knee to the idols in our earth today. And... So we were all kind of coming from this different place. But when, when the veil got thin, when we pierced through, when we went to that other side where pastors were face down in the presence of God, it occurred to me, it wasn't because of our titles. It wasn't because of the sizes of our churches. It wasn't because of how long we've been walking with Jesus. It wasn't because of how much money we've accumulated or how glorious or how bougie our warehouses were with one bathroom working at the moment. Apologies, I'll fix that tomorrow. I'm also your resident facility guy, so be kind. But the one thing that united and the one thing that brought us into that thin place, that one thing that made us the tip of the spear ready to go into the presence of God immediately, it wasn't any of those things that we think qualifies us for the call. It was... It was the fact that we were all mature. We were all mature. You see, all summer long and all fall long, we've had it on our heart to grow a mature bride. Mature bride, that we would get out any other leaven that wasn't of heaven. That we would, we would grow and we would golden and we would fluff up and we would be beautiful and we would be ready and fit for a king when he arrives. That we would be the five virgins ready with our oil and our lamps. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. And the reason that has been so deep in our bones wrapped up like fire on the inside of us. The reason that has been our cry and our cause is because man, for far too long, far too long, we have sent out partially discipled Christians into the world, into their workplace, into their families, into this crazy place. And how many of you know we're supposed to be holy disciples, whole disciples, completely discipled. What is disciple? It's, well, it's one who is disciplined in the ways of Jesus. But just like a whole truth with a partial lie is a whole lie. A label of disciple while having one area of our lives go undiscipled is still an undisciplined believer. 
an undiscipled Christian. And I, as your pastor, I am unfit for this pulpit. I am unfit for the call of God on my life if I don't do everything in my God-given ability and power to disciple you wholly. And I think we can look around at the world right now and we can see the chaos and we can see the calamity and we can see all the confusion. And I hope you come out Wednesday for this Q&A panel that we're going to do and talk about voting kingdom principles. And because I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm uninterested in staying out of the fight. I don't serve a toothless Jesus and I'm not going to be a toothless pastor. Amen. I'm, I refuse to allow... <laughs> children to be mutilated, lives to be stolen, hearts to be broken and fractured and lead them down paths of suicide. I refuse to allow Grand Rapids in our region to go to hell in a handbasket while I am breathing air. I refuse. And the cool part is this all started on $80 and a word from God. So if it all goes up in smoke, well, to God be the glory. Burn it like incense because we stood our ground. Amen. I got to tell you how incredibly freeing it is to be a pastor and not, not need my church. I want you. I love you. Let's do this thing forever together. Let's, have, let's pass this off to our children and their children, and let's leave a legacy of the burning ones piercing the veil, living in the intimacy with the Lord. Let's leave that behind but I am free of you and I'm free of politics and I'm free of all of it because man, I have tasted and seen and there is a presence. There is a presence that goes beyond all of this. And that is the most free, significant, strongest, boldest, courageous place I have ever found myself. And often I am, I am weeping in tears and I am on my knees and I'm unaware of what's happening around me. But I know that Lord Jesus' robe is in the room. You see, I'm looking around and I see how the world has gone to hell in a handbasket and See, I love the bride of Christ. I think you guys understand that by now. The bride is, man, I'm a, I'm a church history nut. I'm a bride nut. I, I love the bride of Christ. In fact, I would say that if you spend time criticizing the bride of Christ, I would ask yourself, how would you feel if all your friends just sat around and criticized your bride behind your back? I'm sure Jesus isn't a huge fan of that. And if you came to me and said, hey, Matt, I love you, but I think Adrian sucks, Fisticuffs are coming, man. We're laying hands, okay? I'm telling you, the bride of Christ is amazing, but she is not without her faults. And I gotta tell you, I think, I think a lot of the reason the world is just going to hell in a handbasket and the depravity of man is on full display right now is because the church has always been and always should be, but we've gone for about 30 years without being the, the conviction in the earth. We are supposed to be the, the one in the wilderness preparing the way for the Lord. We're supposed to be the church. We are supposed to be speaking to the world and saying, no, God has more. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There is more found in Jesus. You don't have to live in your chains. You don't have to suffocate in your sin. You don't have to be found dead where you stand. But no, there is more available to you. Come and live again. That's what we're called to do. But I feel like the reason we haven't been doing that is because at some point we decided as a church that we know better than Lord Jesus does how to build a church. And we went about creating programs and crafting meetings and going by a calendar and specific minutes. And we decided that we were gonna meet every other person's desire before Lord Jesus' desire. We have made programs based off people and not programs based off his presence that we've decided I've got to have one for college. I got to have one for youth. I got to have one for kids. Kids church is a relatively new idea. Just so you know, babies have always been in the house of God. And we were just like, you know what? The adults are busy. Just tuck them over there. I love our kids pastors, our next generation pastor. Charlie's amazing. You heard from him earlier. So clearly, you know, your kids are getting raised up well. 
but it's because we don't believe there's a junior Holy Spirit. So they're getting the sauce back there just like we are. It just happens to be kid sauce. We get Nesquik or we get meat, they get Nesquik. It's good. But you see, we've, we decided for the last 20, 30 years, at least in the West, at least in America, at least in, in West Michigan, we've decided that, that you know what, we're, we're, we're going to go after people filling seats instead of Jesus filling the room. We've decided that we're going to create these programs and we're going to have these things and we have met every other desire in the house besides the desires of God, which is what? What does God desire? Go back to Genesis and read it through John and then read it all the way through Revelation in this time. He has always and will forever be about creating a dwelling place for him. He wants to dwell among his people. But the church has been like, we just kind of want to hang out with people. But how many of you know it's a lot easier to disciple people when Lord Jesus is in the room discipling people? How many know it's a lot easier to pastor people when the chief pastor, the chief shepherd goes beyond Matt's best abilities and he's in the room pastoring the church, amen? This this can't be overstated enough. This, this idea of give me the fast food, hit the drive-thru. We, we're just coming to check in and check out and clock out, leave unchanged, barely encountering the Lord, rarely having him talked about. And then we're going to sing songs that are about us to him. And then we're going to preach messages that are about us instead of him. And all of a sudden, we're going to find ourselves in the same space that we were five years ago, just different names, different faces, different churches, same issues completely undiscipled, but entirely recognizable to the person we were when we first met Jesus. See, it's his presence. It's his presence. And I am mad, fallen out of my tree, ready to give everything Matt McClure has for the presence. You see, there's a mandate on our house. We had a word prophesied over us at a Rise Shine conference in March. At a Rise Shine conference, they prophesied this guy who didn't know us from anybody, he called us out and he had a word from heaven. He said, you will ascend the hill, not just in your city, but in your region, but you will do it on your knees in the presence of God. We will ascend the hill. We will accomplish everything God has set before us. Can I tell you today that that word isn't simply for Pastor Matt, Pastor Adrian, and our leadership team. That's for every single person who calls Takeover Church home. You will ascend. You will fulfill your calling. You will do and be everything that God has set you apart to do and be and accomplish in his name, giving him all of the glory. You will do just that, but it will be on your knees praying in his presence. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You see, I believe that we are gonna be known in our region as a place where Jesus is found. We already have other churches calling us that are way bigger, that have more money, that have more people on staff, have more campuses, and they are messaging and they are emailing and giving us incredible opportunities to, to pour into them because they're going, we hear this is happening there. We're seeing it happening there. How? Why? Tell me. <laughs> and all I can say is that we just had nothing to lose and all of him to gain. We decided we were going to go full on in to the craziness of the book of Acts, the word of God, believing every single portion of the word of God. We're not picking a fight with him. His word picks a fight with us. Amen. And we will be undone and we will be changed and we will be transformed and we will show belly and we will say, come Lord Jesus, come. Great physician, do some heart surgery and remove things that don't line up with your word. That is who we are. And I believe that we have a call on this house to be a church that's not just known in our city, in our region for Jesus resting and dwelling here. But I believe we will be a church that is known in heaven. 
angels will talk about takeover church and go, that's a place that Jesus doesn't just visit once a year on Easter, but he loves to go and rest there. And I believe that we will be a church that is known in the belly of hell as a place where Jesus goes and rests there. No, no, we gotta, we gotta leave Angie alone. Why? She's doing stuff for the kingdom because she's a part of Takeover Church and Jesus rests there. See, we gotta, we gotta quit messing with Pastor Evan. Why? Because he pastors at a church where, you know, for a while they were doing the cool cultural stuff and, you know, Matt was too busy trying to be the next Carl Lentz and just being stupid. But now, now they've got it all together. Now, now they're desperate for more of God. And I gotta tell you, they've made a place where Jesus comes and he dwells. So we gotta, we, gotta, we gotta leave him alone because demons still tremble at the mighty name of Jesus. See, this, this is what we're called to be. Now, I love Grand Rapids and there's a great number of churches here doing a great number of things and I've got no beef with that. I am, I am team kingdom all the way. I know that's not exactly popular in our city, but I am. You're not gonna hear me talk smack about nobody ever. God bless every other church here. And if revival comes to Grand Rapids through Takeover Church, glory be to God. If it comes by Lighthouse Baptist, praise him even more. Come on, somebody. That is who we are, Team Kingdom. And in the same token, I wanna be known as a house. We're not in competition. We're just a part of the kingdom. And in the kingdom, there are different lands. There are different lords. There are different places and setups. In the kingdom of God, I want to be known as a house where Jesus calls home. We're not in competition with anybody else. We're just trying to make a place that Jesus calls home. This is who we are. This is who we are. I always thought takeover meant something far more radical but Jesus is still going, Matt, I did not come to take part in anyone's life. I came to take over. I came to take over homes. I came to take over families. I came to take over cities and regions. This is our mandate. This is our mission. Are you ready to go the distance? Entering in to the joy of the master. God, what a, what an interesting way of saying that, isn't it? Come now and enter into the joy of the master. I, I, I think that we could pause right there. We could do a whole entire five weeks on just that statement because here's the deal. I think if we were to ask every Christian in Grand Rapids, we'll go to their Facebook profile, it says religious views, Christian. If we were to ask every single person who has that, every person who identifies as a Christian, and we say, hey, when was the last time, if ever, that you entered into the joy of your master? I honestly, God, I think most people would look at us and go, what do you mean, fam? <laughs> what do you mean? What are you talking about? What, is, what does that even mean? What is the joy of the master? Because I think Jesus describes it this way very significantly and on purpose because there is something about the joy of the master that we get to enter into. We get to go behind the veil. We get to go into an area that is reserved for him. There is a place where the master resides, where the workers don't. But some of us, he welcomes us in to his inner joy that place where he goes to have fun that place where he goes to rest that place where he goes and this is all for him and it's the coolest things that Jesus loves have you ever asked yourself you go to my office know you're going to find theology books and action figures because I am 32 and a child and a shofar and some other really cool stuff anyways But, but what, is, what are you going to find in, in Jesus' office? Where are you going to find where Jesus goes to hang out? What does Jesus' God cave look like? What's in there? What's in there that he says, this is the joy of the master? You see, the reason I think most Christians would be confused when you ask them this is because, one, this is a very unpopular scripture to preach about. But two, 
Many people know Jesus as savior, but very few of them know him as master. Many people know Jesus as friend, but very few of us know Jesus as master because master isn't popular. Master sounds harsh. Master sounds just like it's intended to. It means bitterness. There is a part of Jesus, Master Jesus, Lord Jesus, that actually has demands on our lives. You see, most of us, we love Savior Jesus because we go, wow, Jesus, what a wonderful Savior. We have a whole song written to it. It's one of my favorite ones. Wonderful Savior. But Amy sings it and actual demons flee. I sing it and they come. <laughs> Attack. He's unanointed. But see, we have this. We have this. <laughs> we have this understanding as Jesus as Savior. And it's like, thank you, Jesus, for saving me from my sin, from the consequences that come with it of certain death, damnation, and separation from God forever. I love Jesus. He has just set me free from everything I've done before. So we love living from, <laughs> we love living saved from sin but we have no idea what it looks like to live saved unto salvation. We love living free from the consequences of sin, but we have very little understanding of what it means now to live as one saved unto salvation. You were saved from sin, but you were saved for salvation. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. You see, there is something on the other side of this. We have been living just set free from our sin and going completely un informed that Jesus actually has requirements and demands upon our salvation. You see, he doesn't, he doesn't just get to come in and clean house and cancel our sin and set us free, and then we go about living the same ways of which we needed to be set free from. Going back into our chains of which he already tried to break off of us, but we just like them because we're more comfortable in our chains than we are our Christ. Like we don't get to just go back. He's like, no, no, no. When you get saved and I become Lord of your life, how many of you know we say it here all the time, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Because once he makes a purchase, there's not a single part of you that he says, you can keep that part. No, your finances? Hold on to that. I, king of the universe, am not very good at finances myself. I'm actually Jesus, you know, I am taking uh, Dave Ramsey right now and I'm doing pretty good. I started saving, heaven's looking a little better. And I say that because in this, in this moment, Jesus, you gotta understand this, before he starts this, again, he starts and says, the kingdom of heaven is like. Every time Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like, we have to incline our ears. We have to tune in. We have to lean in and go, Jesus is about to tell us about this kingdom that he brought with him to earth that we are now commissioned to establish here. We are called to pierce the veil and live in and live from and do great exploits for God in the earth. Everything we export should be coming from the veil. See, we don't talk about this because sin is uncomfortable. Money is uncomfortable. But that's because we had too many comfortable preachers I'm uncomfortable and I, I love you. I wanna do life with you and you will curse and break and shatter my heart into a thousand million pieces if you ever leave. But if you do, I'm gonna be all right because the presence of Lord Jesus is still in this room. But you see, as, as God brought this up in my studies and we were talking about this, I was going, I thought you were leading me into a series called Pierce the Veil. And he's like, Matt, I am. But well, what, is, what is the time and the talents and the master, like what does this have to do with any of that? He reiterated once again, my heart needed it. I needed to hear this word again, the same word that birthed this church and Adrian and I's heart began to burden us for this city because Lord knows I didn't want nothing to do with Michigan any longer. But he was like, man, I, I, I didn't come to take part. I came to take over. And I was like, well, we have a whole segment, Lord Jesus. If you just look at our, our run sheet, where each week we talk about finances. So I don't need to preach on this. And I'm really not going to. 
but I have been commissioned by the Lord to give a very specific word today real quick, and then we'll get back to our regular scheduled programming. Sound good? Okay, can I put my dad hat on? Is that all right? Listen, we see this, there's talents, there's measurements, there's something specific given to his workers, his kids, his friends, his family, his sons, his daughters, his hands, his feet. God gives specific measurements, okay? And we'll get into that in just a moment. But let me tell you about your finances real quick. The Lord told me that there are people in our church that are married. This is for married people specifically, then we'll talk about you singles in a moment. Married people specifically that you and your spouse have not talked about tithing in your marriage. One of you thinks that the other spouse is doing it. The other one thinks the other spouse is doing it and it goes completely untalked about, completely unrecognized and completely un, uninitiated in your marriage covenant, putting God first in your finances. And the Lord gave me a very specific word that I'm gonna break down. But for many of us in our marriage, we have not begun to trust God with our income. Therefore, we rarely trust God with our outcome. We have not begun to trust God with our income. So therefore, we have a hard time trusting the king of the universe with the outcomes of our lives. So many of us, we have gone without sowing this into our marriages, without sowing this into our lives, without going and saying, spouse, husband, wife, what do you reckon? We bring this much in, tithes are this, and can I just tell you, tithes are not you giving God 10% of what's yours. Ties is God allowing you to keep 90% of what's his, okay? Let's just lay that out. He gave you the breath in your lungs, the talents of which you were able to do your job and the ability to earn an income and not uh, totally spend it all and throw it down the drain doing dumb things, okay? That's God working in your life, amen? And I'm not telling you this because, you know, we need more money or we need whatever. Obviously, simple math would tell you we can do more with you than we can without you. But I'm telling you this because Lord has a formation for the Christian life that if I left this moment undiscipled, unpoked, unprovoked, if I didn't go into that and just say, hey, how are you and the Lord in your finances? Because so many of us, we have a hard time trusting God with our future because we haven't sowed seeds in our present or our past. You see, Paul says he gives seeds to the sower he doesn't give seeds to the blower. The implication there means he gives seeds to the one who's already been sowing. The one who took what God first gave them and began to put it where God says to put it. That's the implication. That's how he can bless it. That's how he can take your, that's how he can take your income and your surplus and he can expand it, he can blow it up, and he can do a mighty work in and through it, amen. But here's the deal, so many of us, we have a hard time trusting God in our future, when in reality, if you just hold him to his word, he is a man of his word. Well, no, God, I've been tithing, and the car just blew up. Like Pastor Charlie said, I've been, I've been tithing, but the, the washing machine just went out all of these things that surprise us and feel like they cost us, God has already seen it, lived it, and walked with you through it a hundred different ways, and he is just waiting for you to be obedient to him in the midst of it. So I want to encourage you as a married couple, begin to talk this out. Actually sit there and go, hey, hon, are we tithing? If not, what's that about? <laughs> Because here's the deal. The reason we probably haven't gotten this practice and this discipline down in our marriages is because most of us never started when we were single. Single people, single people don't enter into a future full of complaints and grief and anger and distrust for the Lord because you didn't see a harvest when you needed it because you didn't sow seeds. Listen, get this discipline down because we see it in scripture. Now, Jesus, the point of this 
We love to preach on money off it. But the point of the scripture actually isn't money. It's, it's, it's easy because God knows the, the frailty of man. So much so that God knows the frailty of man that we love our money, don't we? Hey, working for it, love spending it. We love it. But so much so that Peter, the OG lead pastor of the early church, Peter, he goes on to say the love of money, the lust of money, the love for money out of order and in proper place is actually the root of all evil. Not, not, not just money itself, money's good. Money can be blessed, money can be awesome, money can prosper you and do amazing things with you if it is found first in the hands of God. But left into your hands, left into your lust, left into your desires, it will rule you and then it will ruin you. I'm preaching to anybody this morning. But the reason this isn't actually about money is because this is a principle for the entire kingdom of heaven. Jesus is going, guys, listen. There's a master and he's going away on a trip, a.k.a. Jesus is the master, and he is going to die, he is going to be buried, he is going to resurrect, and then he is going to ascend onto heaven until the day he returns. He's going on a journey. And while he's away, he is going to entrust talents, measures, portions and parts of himself, his kingdom, his valuables, the things that he has. Jesus' things so many of us, we're like, we just want to grow in the things of God. Have you steward the thing of God he gave you? Because it goes beyond money. It's the entirety of your life. It's everything that it has in it. It's this church. It's your relationship with him. It's what happens on Sundays. It's what happens on Wednesdays. It's what happens on Fridays. It's what happens in your marriages. It's what happens in your single season. It's what happens on your laptop. It's what happens at your jobs. It is the totality of your life. He gave it to you. Have you ever pondered and asked yourself, why did one person get five, another get two, and the one guy get one? Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever had a moment going, what did Lord Jesus know about the person he gave five to? And what did he know about the person he gave one to? What did he know? What did he know? Because here's the deal. He knew the five guy, he can entrust with that measure. He can entrust with that much he knew something about him, had an intimate relationship, had been watching him work, had been seeing him clock in, come early, leave late, all of those things, be a good steward of what he had given him already. He had watched and he knew. He knew him and he knew he could handle five. Not just handle five, but he would be faithful with five. But then what did he know about the guy with one? What did he know about the guy with one? Well, if I just give him one, chances are he doesn't do anything with it, and I just get it back when I come. Or, at the very least, he loses it, forfeits it, gambles it away, wagers it away, it's gone, and there I'm only missing out on one. He looked at the guy with one that he entrusted with one, is it not going to be a big deal if it came up black, if he missed it, if he didn't get anything back from it? We see that in Scripture. And I wonder, I wonder about our lives and I wonder about our relationship with Jesus. I wonder about the maturity of us as Christians. Are we worthy of stewarding and faithfully handling five, faithfully multiplying five? Or have we done something that Lord Jesus saw with something else that he gave us and have we lost trust with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Friends, I have lost trust with so many people in my life, in my life. I have, I have broken trust so many times in my life with people I love dearly beyond words. But the person I've broken trust with the most, chief among all the trust I've broken is Lord Jesus's. And I got to tell you, losing the trust of the Lord is a hard road back. And one I would never recommend that you do. 
it, it, is, it is the crucible. It will burn out anything in you that's not of him. And it will be entirely worth it. But if you can just listen to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, of the word of God, if you can just be in church and be in the presence and be around Christians, if you can just get this before you mess up, before you misplace, before you do something that allows Jesus to mistrust you, you will save you. <laughs> You're actually capable of grieving the Holy Spirit and your people around you, a lot of heartache and a lot of hurt. And not only that, you'll be found faithful. Be found faithful. Let me tell you, friends, trust. We live in an entitled generation where we think trust and forgiveness is synonymous. They're not. We think they should be, but they're not. See, forgiveness can be extended, but trust has to be earned. You see, trust, trust is earned in ounces, but it is lost in buckets. And that includes with the Lord, because here's the deal. We see this portion of scripture in five and two multiply. They were found faithful, but one, he was found wasteful. And I think about this season in church and where we're at as a church, as a community. See, the church isn't, I need, I want to break this principality off West Michigan so bad. Church isn't a building. Church isn't an organization. It's not a 501c3 certification. And church isn't the pastors. Church is the church. This, you, me, together, doing life, following Jesus, being shaped and molded into his image and likeness and doing the things and greater things than Jesus did himself. That's the point. We, what's happening among us every service, this isn't normal today. It's not normal to have full altars at the end of every service. It's not normal today. It's not the status quo in church today to see healings and deliverances and people being set free from uh, demonic oppression. Seeing people bust out prophecy and words of knowledge, tongues being activated in church. You see, this isn't normal. There are some tent poles that are popping up among the earth and around the earth right now where this is becoming the norm in areas and in certain regions in the earth, but it's still not normal throughout the church, even though this was always God's dream of the church. And I think we have to begin to ask ourselves, if the church is me individually and the church is me collectively, if both what I do individually affects the collective and what I do collective should affect me individually. Come on, you're hearing me this morning. You're hearing me this morning. Then am I a five talent or am I a one? Am I faithful or am I wasteful? Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Jesus goes on to talk about it. In the kingdom of God, it doesn't go like this. It doesn't go, if you don't use it, you lose it. It doesn't go like that. In the kingdom of God, it actually goes, if you don't use it, if you don't multiply it, I will take what I've given you and I will give it to someone I believe is faithful. Yes. That should give us a deep reverence for the call and gifts of God on our lives. That should give us a deep reverence and we should be able to look at the throne of Jesus and go, hold on a minute. Am I being faithful or wasteful? Is this gonna lead to a moment of rejection from the Lord? Or am I going to be welcomed into his innermost joy? Where is my faithfulness or my wastefulness leading me right now? What am I doing and what am I not doing? And what will cause me to enter into his innermost joy? What will allow me to pierce that veil quicker? What am I doing with my life, with the things God has given me, with my church, with my gifts, with my talents, with my purity, with my mind, with my heart? What have I been doing? Because here's the deal, that rejection that we see doesn't mean, that doesn't, no, no, hear me, hear me, hear me. It doesn't mean that just because you're found wasteful and not faithful, doesn't mean that you're not loved. Doesn't mean that you're not desired. Doesn't mean that God's gifts and call on your life are suddenly uh, revocable. No, he's emphatic in his word. The gifts and call on your life are irrevocable. He is the redeeming God always. However, it does mean that man, he wants to trust you with his talents. He wants to trust you with his gifts. He wants to trust you with more. He desires to give you more. For so long, we have not desired more 
we've come to the table asking for less. And now we have a church of 2022 that looks less than Acts 2. And that is a problem. But he's saying, no, no, no. Worship team, you can make your way up here. He's saying, no, no, no. Are you going to be faithful or are you going to be wasteful? Because there is, a, there is an area, whether it's at church, whether it's in your life, whether it's on the high caloric diet of following Christ that we talked about last week, where man daily encounters with the Lord need to be a staple in your life, in your marriage, in your single season. Don't wait, single people, to start crying before the Lord on your floor, in your bedroom, asking him for more. Don't you dare wait until you are married to start doing that. Because you won't reap in your marriage what you didn't sow in your singleness. Church, don't you wait. Don't you wait for that second song to come on, that third song to come in in service before you enter in. Don't you play that game. Don't you play that game where it's like, I need oceans to feel the Lord. I need rest on us to come to feel the Lord. I need to get like a couple songs in, loosen up, let my coffee hit and feel the Lord. You see, a faithful Christian, a mature Christian, we're pre-game in prayer and worship in the car on the way over here. You want to know what happens when God tries to fill an already full cup? You experience overflow. What is the overflow? Overflow is the butter of heaven, baby. It is that extra. It is that joy. It is that innermost place. You were faithful while I was away. You were faithful in what I asked you to do. I gave you five and you came back with 10, 15, 20. You know math. Praise God. And suddenly you come to church and you don't need to wait for the Holy Spirit goosebumps. You bring them with you. For far too long, we have waited for pastors to lead us into the presence of God, but we have never seen that in Scripture. The Bible tells us that you have the Holy Spirit, the living presence, the power and person of Jesus, the power of him living on the inside of you, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in the inside of you, now rests upon you, now has closed you and his dynamic power from on high. He has made you a presence people. And because you're a presence people, this makes this a home for Jesus. Would you guys stand? See, There's a maturity that we're entering into, a ripeness, a size and a stature and a wellness where we begin to plan Saturdays better so that we can come to church ready. There's gonna be, <laughs> there's gonna be moments where we're going, where the second we get here, Man, we're just rattling off tongues in the parking lot. Why? Because he's here. You see, this home for Jesus, it's not going to be built off the back of a loud preacher or a killer worship team. It's not going to be built off social media in hype. It's not going to be built off the backs of filling pews with people. A home for him is going to be built by him, set apart for him, ran by him, and always welcoming of him. See, I don't just tolerate the Holy Spirit. No, we celebrate the Holy Spirit. So when he comes and he wants to move and it doesn't align with Matt's plan for this morning, well, one of our plans has to go and it's not gonna be his. That's where we're going. We are gonna be a people who are completely convinced we can live from and steward well the most intimate places of our master's joy. So this morning, we're gonna sing a song as we end service. If you have to leave, you have you know, kids or whatever, feel free to go, we love you. But if you wanna get a little bit more oil on you today, if you want to spend time worshiping Lord Jesus, if you decide right now, I need a refilling, 
because I'm a broken vessel and it's not just one outpouring, but it's many fillings and many indwellings that I just want the Holy Spirit to come and rest upon me again. I just want the Lord to begin to move on me again. I want to begin to dream again. I want my marriage restored again. I want my purity restored again. I want to be found faithful with the five, with the two. I don't want to be the one. We're what was entrusted with me was found unmultiplied so then it was given to another no I want to make much of what God has given me so if that's you I invite you up the altar is ready and all summer long and all fall long the Holy Spirit has just been doing it there's just something about us moving in the natural that begins to move the supernatural. And we say, God, I'm willing to get undignified before you. I'm willing to get dust and dirt on my knees before you. I am willing to sob on the concrete before you. God, if you will anoint this house with my tears, then bring the tears, Lord. Lord, if my tears move the throne of heaven, then bring tears, Lord. I want to be so undignified. There is a thin space here. And we want to be faithful in it, not wasteful in it. So the worship team's going to sing. We're going to worship. I invite you to come forward. Don't wait for me to shut up. Come forward if this is something you need. If you want healing, come forward. If you want to rest in the presence of the Lord, come forward. If you want to sit down, be on your knees, wherever, come forward. But don't leave here today without entering in again into the joy of your master. Amen? Come on, praise him. Praise him. Let us enter into the joy of Jesus. I can feel you right.